Welcome everybody to the Minimap Cast. This is your weekly source of gaming news questions and impressions from minimap.com.au. Well, what? Uh, I, I just remembered over the past week, I've been going through all the different podcasting services that we're on yeah. and changing the words bi-weekly to weekly because I oh, forgot yeah. to change a bunch of them. Um, <laughs> Including just like the podcast description on every platform. Oh no! Had been, it had been bi-weekly up until last week. Oh, that's so funny. Uh, my name is Kerry Palmer, and that other voice you're hearing is Jeremy Bradditch. Hello. We're professionals. We are professionals. Can what you What do you tell? mean Stitcher hadn't gotten any of our episodes since like episode fucking 40 or something? Oh no, 40? Didn't I tell you this? That like I didn't update the feed when, when we saw You did tell me that. I didn't know it was that far back. Yeah, it was ages. This I was is looking episode at ninety five. I know. <laughs> I know because I went uh, yesterday. Yesterday, last week, I went through every um, every platform and refreshed and re-updated them because I had to like just. I wanted to look at all the stats to make sure everything was actually still running smoothly because I was mm-hmm. I had been sort of slack on a lot of that and I was redoing this after I was redoing the Patreon, um, patreon.com forward slash minimap um, and the. Too many dots. It's not, it's not minimap.au. No, that was a stutter. That wasn't me. That wasn't oh, me my bad. Sorry. Wrong. <laughs> I, I generally thought you said .au. I did, but what I meant to say was minimap.com forward slash au. Um, Apologies. Did you, did you hear what I just said just then? Wasn't that right? No. I said minimap.com forward slash au. Oh, no. It's all Don't right. go there. there Don't go to any of the there. websites Jeremy's just said. That's true. Except for um, Stitcher. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I had to redo a bunch of them because um, like a lot of them were just like out of date or had uh, like just just wrong information there and there or wasn't updating correctly. So everything should be there now, which is good. Okay. I don't know if that helps, but the last episode that we have up is is trending the highest, the fastest. That's that great. I mean, that's good news for us. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, as always, if you are trying to listen to this on a service and something's off or we're not somewhere you would like us to be or something, something, something like that, just let us know and we'll we'll fix it as fast as we can. Um, we, yes. we, we, if, if you're having any friction in your experience of getting this podcast, we want to fix it. So let us know if that ever happens. Um, and if you can't be bothered, that's all right too. Uh this is minimap.com.au's weekly podcast. Uh, we're going to talk about... Uh, what are we going to talk? We're going to talk one about... Thing. <laughs> one thing. One <laughs> thing. We're going to talk about the Elden Ring today. Uh, the Elden Ring. Uh, Jeremy... Although Jeremy was still cannonballing Horizon into his veins for uh, the first half of last week after the podcast. Yeah, like, so we spoke about... Um, like I, I, I shared all my thoughts and feelings about Horizon Forbidden Wilds, Forbidden West. Fuck, goddammit. <laughs> Forbidden West uh, last week. Um, do you know that the you know that VR DLC expand alone thing that they're making? It, it's called something. I think it's got the word Wilds in it. Oh no, really? Yeah, I, I think that's also why it's been tripping me up. I could be wrong, but I think it's got the word, word Wilds in it. Um, Horizon Worlds. Uh, no, that's Oculus. Uh, no, that's, yeah, that's, that's Facebook. Call of the Mountain. Okay, in that case, fucking, I've got no idea. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, I finished the story. Um, I think it's got a really good ending, and we don't have time to talk about it because we have to talk about the Elden Ring. Indeed we do. All right, let's get through the rigmarole, and then we're going to dive right in. I hope you're ready, everybody. 
so yeah, you can go to minimap.com.au to find this podcast, every episode of this podcast, and our other podcasts, such as our uh, mini disc uh, game club specials of this on this feed, as well as our uh, other podcast, The Pecking Order, which is our game culture, pop culture, kissability ranking podcast. Um, you can find all of those there, the occasional written word as well. Uh, if you want to support us, you can give this show a positive rating on your platform of choice, where you wherever you get this podcast. You just give us a plus or a thumb up just whenever you're looking for a new episode from us. That would be really great. We'd really appreciate that. Uh, you can also go to, and this is the real link now, everyone. It's patreon.com slash minimapau if you want to support us monetarily. You can try the you other ones. You should do. Um, if it goes anywhere near us, I'd be very interested to hear about it. <laughs> what you should do is you should cut out you saying the correct link and just dub it over me. <laughs> <laughs> that would be so jarring and funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, so yeah, you can go there if you want to support us monetarily. We also wanted to say uh, thank you to Shook for letting us use the Moog Model D Improv uh, song from their YouTube channel as the music for the Minimap cast. You can listen to more of Shook's music at shook.bandcamp.com. I'm remembering when I got to the end of that how badly I flubbed that last week. Do you remember that? <laughs> I do remember that. Um. So in the in the document, we've got our what we've been playing section, and ge- under Jeremy's section it says old and wrong, and under Kerry's section it says old and wrong. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we're going to talk about the Elden Ring. The Elden Ring. Uh, <laughs> I don't I don't know what I was going to start this with, but I'm just going to bring this up now. Yeah, you are incapable. And it's not a terrible, terrible thing. But you are incapable of separating the the staples of this series from their previous names. <laughs> so when what we were mean? talking about this game, and I, I, you were saying, oh, the invasion in, in The Hunter's Dream is really challenging. I'm like, oh, that, I have that, no that idea was, where that, that was is. Me, that, was me being, that was me being stupid. Well, yeah, but I also that, had that, no that idea what you meant. Because, but yeah. then the, my next sentence was, oh, have you been to the round table hold, which is the, the hub <laughs> area, which is what the hunter's dream is in Bloodborne. And he was like, yeah, the hunter's dream. I'm like, oh, you <laughs> While we were playing co-op, I also referred to it as Firelink. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, like, and, and I will say genuinely what I do do in this game is not call the runes runes. They are souls. Yeah, um, I, I, for- I say half the time souls, yeah. Like they are souls in uh, in Bloodborne as well. They're not echoes. They are definitely souls, hmm. um, as well as uh, like they are bonfires. I'm sorry, like sites of grace, but you are not sites of grace. You're bonfires, <laughs> um, and you are not bonfires in Bloodborne either. You are lanterns. Yeah. Um, uh, it's yeah, like it, it is the the nouns in this game. Yeah. Are, well, the nouns from the From Software games are unfortunately tied to Dark Souls. There is no, there are no two ways about it, and and Demon Souls and Demon Souls, yeah. And it's interesting, right? Because the, it's because all of those things were so strikingly different for those games when they were new, and they've been yeah. in every game since, even Sekiro, right? Yes, uh, in a different way. Yes, right. But they've got they've got bonfire like things, right? Oh, very funny. So we're, we're going to get to so much of this, uh, but what we want to start with our discussion is we want to talk about the world of Elden Ring. And yes. so by that we mean 
the art direction, the way the world is constructed and the way they show environments to you and and the creatures in the world and how NPCs talk to you and bosses and some of the dialogue and the introduction, all that stuff. So that's sort of what we, what we, what we want to talk about in this section here, Jeremy, and audience. Uh, <laughs> Jeremy. You're uh, telling me. <laughs> what, what do you, how do you want to start this? What, do, what have you got for this? So I think, I think actually just going off what we were talking about is, is something I do want to mention. Um, there's a couple of things that this game does, which I think is very, very interesting. Um, one of them is it's like what it does the, the, the same and different specifically about sites of grace, I think is very, very fascinating. So this world is fucking huge. It's this so world big. is so big. Um, it's ridiculous. Yes. And like to the point where like you have a map and you can fast travel from anywhere, which are two very, very and a mount. Like th- those three things are maybe the biggest changes in this game about the world because they are like they are outwardly telling you, hey, this world is big. You're gonna need a thing to get around faster. You're gonna want to fast travel fairly often. So we're not mm. gonna make you only be able to fast travel from the bonfires. Mm. And it's not like Far Cry 2 fast travel where it's like you can go to the four corners of the map and then you have to figure it out. It's like, no, there's one down the road and then there's another one down the road and then there's another one just down the road and then there's yeah. another one down the road. <laughs> yeah, some of them are quite close together, um, you know, because some of them are right outside a boss and one of them are the one you get after you defeat the boss, for example, mm. um, which is a is a common thing in in, in these types of games. Um, but some of them are just quite close together in the open world and you can actually still quite easily miss them. Like when we, when we played together, I was finding, uh, bonfires that I did not know existed that you were showing me. And I was like, Oh, this one is way closer to this one than I expected. Yeah. Um, so I was doing quite a lot of traveling, which I kind of didn't really need to do cause I just hadn't seen a lot of them. Um, but there, there was a point that I specifically wanted to bring up about these bonfires, which is th- this game is not as like heavily combat focused as the other ones are in a way. Like there is a lot more traversal through this world. Mm-hmm. And, and I think right? there's a ton of exploring, which I have never enjoyed as much as I am in this game, in these types of games as I am right now. These one like the exploring in this game, I'm really really quite enjoying i think because as you go through the different zones of the world it, it changes dramatically yeah drastically um, yeah so many different types of locations um but the the actual sites of graces themselves they're, they're they're quite quiet um something that i noticed while i was playing this game is that it's it's not as intense it, it's not as heavy as the other games um this game allows you to have those quieter moments um which i think is very fascinating because the sites of grace almost feels like like i i wrote a note here saying the site of grace almost feels like a moment aside bonfires lanterns in the past they're about finding finding light in a dark and awful world a brief moment of respite before going back into the cauldron the site of grace is a sit a relax a prayer the act of even calling it grace as though it is a gift from God is incredibly interesting. Mm. Like there, there is, there is a, there is a feeling of like 
like the whatever the divine gods in this game are, which I'm sure well, there are. So in the this site game. of grace, it's it's the power from the Erd tree. That's that's where these sites right, of grace okay. are coming from. Which is like a gift from the land, I guess, right? Because like Erd means I think Erd means um like earth. Right. I, yeah. I think it means yeah, like like home earth yeah. kind of. And I think like, I think the Elden Ring drew its power from the Erd tree originally. Right. If I remember um, the lore correctly, yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> Fucking the lore in this game is as, as obtuse as ever, isn't it? <laughs> it? Yes and no. Yes and no. I I I I find it a little easier to grasp. I find it a little a little less obtuse, personally. Right. Um, I suppose we'll we'll see how the game ends. I guess. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. <laughs> Who knows? It might go. It might go off a cliff in a way that we're like, I don't know what's going on. Yeah, but um, but the sights of grace. You're right. They are they are quiet moments. I think they're harder to spot. In the world, technically, I've I've been finding a larger. I'm been finding it more difficult to actually see them in the world. Um, I know you haven't as much. You you were you were saying that you were just quite you were just finding them quite easily. Hmm. Um, but as I was playing, I was like, I was going to very far corners of the map and not seeing any for quite a while, just because I do not notice them for some reason. Yeah, I think for me, I'm quite thorough with these games, almost to a fault. Um, and so I think that that allows me to see them more readily um like perhaps you're just ready to like just go down the path like those ones i was showing the other day one of them is really quite obscure unless you're unless you're following a certain like cliff face and then you find it but you're not going to see it from anywhere else unless you're like five meters away from it Um, and and the other ones you're not going to see from the road because there's like a big rock in front of it but you'll see it if you've gone to the lake and done some extra stuff down there and it's like oh there's a side of grace beside the road Right. Okay. Maybe it's because this world is so colorful. I'm expecting something to stand out a lot more, like it has in the past. Mm. Um, yeah. Because this this world is very vibrant. It is. And so something I got written down is that um, the like the texture quality isn't fantastic. It's what have I written here? It's good. The shadows and texture quality they they aren't jaw dropping. It it feels like no. a very good PS4 game. Like like an excellent PS4 game. Yeah. Um, or Xbox One or whatever, you know, last gen. Um, but the art direction, the execution is really fantastic. Like yeah. when you you when you you start and you open the door to Limgrave, you open the door to the open world, and you're surrounded by these golden trees, like just normal trees with yellow leaves. But then in the distance you see that the Erd tree as tall as anything in the distance, it's glowing and just resplendent. And you can basically always see it. And then there's minor ones started around as well, also illuminating the sky. It's it's gorgeous. And then when you get teleported by a, a trap chest to Caled, and you walk outside of a cave and the sky is blood red and you're in this drained lake full of ancient barnacles and and like pirate skeletons that will fuck you up. Like Mm-hmm. The the yep. world is it feels really realized and it feels alive. It feels yeah. it it doesn't feel like a world that has fallen. It feels like a world that is falling. Kind of yeah. I I actually sort of I read it a little bit differently. Um, I read the world as like multiple worlds kind of thrown at each other. I think is how I feel about it. Um, okay. like they are still naturally like it, 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 it's, 
you know, I'm I'm gonna try and avoid using more Bloodborne references, but it reminds me of like a like a dream version of a world, um, where like it's it's someone's memory of what a place looks like, and so right. it fits together. But also, there are so many drastically different places, all really close to each other, mm-hmm. relatively to a world that it feels it feels natural because it everything is off just by a little bit. But yeah, not in a I, way I that makes it feel and, fake. And because the world is so contiguous in a way that it hasn't been since the first Dark Souls game, like like it all stitches yeah. together in like the the whole world has to fit within itself because it is. It is the one world. Whereas, you know, you look at Dark Souls 2 and it's like you're in this vast desert area with a big castle. And the when you beat the boss in the castle, there's an elevator that goes up for ages. And you're like, okay, this is weird. And then you come out and you're in this lava lake plateau. And you're like, okay, so hang on. This whole lava lake is sitting above this castle that I just beat, which just seemed to be surrounded by open sky. So where's this lava lake? It's just on top. Yeah, yeah. Like this is way more sensible, and it does have some of those moments of verticality, but it sells it by like if like this is this is one elevator that I've heard everyone talk about. I don't think you've been there yet, so I'm not going to talk about it too I, much. I, I I know it's a it's a long one. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. When you get in it, it's like oh, this is different. Like there's something happens when you activate the, the lift. You're like oh, okay. And then it goes and it goes and it goes and you just go down and you go down and you go down. Yeah. And and the reveal of the... Of oh, the, I, I don't know. I know. I've been there. You've been there? That, I the, stumbled into it. The to well. the river? <laughs> yeah. The river? It's the called river? the Siofra River. I haven't been there. I've been to another one that's like it. Oh my God, what? I've, I've been to like the world beneath the world. <laughs> Yeah, basically, yeah. Like, has okay, your yeah. map I'm, I'm, has your I map gotten, like, yes. a new section? Yep. Yes, it, it gave me another layer. Yeah. And and it really sells it, right? It goes down for so long, and it's like, yeah, there could yeah. be anything under here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I forgot and, all about that. I went there once, and I haven't been back. Yeah, I went there once on my original file and got my butt kicked. And so yeah. I, that was the last thing I was doing last night, was finally going through, like, at level, that area. Right, right. Um, like, I, I will say that... that Bloodborne did do that contiguous thing where he will actually return through back Yarnum like way later um, sure. in a way that's like, oh, fuck, right? Like like I'm, I'm talking like 20 bosses down the line. You come back around to a different side of it um, yep. in a way that was like genuinely shocking. But they also do have like one or two realms. Yeah, that's the thing. And like with Bloodborne and even Dark Souls 1, even though those words those worlds were stitched together, I did find each of those places were so disparate and I didn't really I I didn't really have a strong mental map of how they actually connected, whereas here, yeah. like you you do that traveling and it's not through tunnels for 5 minutes and then you come out somewhere else. It's Yeah, I have no idea where Anor Londo is, for example, but like th- but yeah, like in you're right in Elden Ring. I think because the the addition of the map, it it sells the size of it that you can always place yourself, as well as maybe my favorite design decision of the open world in this game is having giant fucking trees that you can see from fucking everywhere. Yeah, I love that with my whole heart. I think it's incredible because no matter where I am, I can always place myself by looking at the fucking tree. Mm. It's the mountain in Journey. 
It's the thing that I can always center myself as. It's the anchor point of the world. And it is so fucking smart. It is you're the like Mount a, Coronet of Pokemon fucking Sinnoh region. You're like a you're like an ancient traveler using the constellations to navigate. Yes, and and I, I think I think like that that is that is a really important thing that I think some games kind of miss. Um, when when we spoke about the open worlds of some other games that became open world, like um, Halo, for example, I didn't have an anchor. Most of the time, mm, I didn't mm-hmm. really know where I was, which I think is one of the issues or one of the things, one of the reasons I bounced off that, that world a lot faster. It's one, and maybe one of the reasons why I loved New Vegas was that I could always see the New Vegas strip and I always knew that's where I was in relation to the world. I didn't just feel like I was in a fucking wasteland. I could see that area and I was judging how far I was from it at all times. P- like pinging it like a fucking sonar. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I'm in this world of the Elden Ring, mm-hmm. um, it feels fucking huge. Like it feels really, really big. Yeah. And dense it, too in a way. Yeah, but the right amount of dense, they're yeah. fucking nailing that balance. Like when we spoke about Assassin's Creed, one of my critiques of Assassin's Creed Odyssey was that that world was so dense that I was tripping over enemies all the time. Mm. This gives you the, the most incredible amount of space in between a fight, some enemies, like honestly bosses, mm-hmm. dungeons as well, Sites of Grace, like it, it, they have done such an incredible job of authoring that world. Nothing feels generated. It all feels so designed mm. and naturally lived in and built. Mm. It like it it boggles my fucking mind when yeah. I think about this game. It does feel really natural, doesn't it? Cuz like it's the kind of thing you know when you go south towards the uh the Weeping Peninsula Mm-hmm. Um, and there's the the blind woman who's sitting by the road. Did you see her? Yep. Yeah. And yeah, then I've just past there is her her caravan that's been torn apart by like the giant and the and the the imp things and the the menials I think they called them and the and the dogs and stuff like that. And it's like no, they're really telling a story there. And as you go further along, there's like in in that area, there's like a big drawbridge being guarded by one of the demi human chiefs, who's like a, a a boss in the first area. Um, and I was like, oh, it's cool seeing you in the open world. You're dead. Next. Moving on. Yeah. And and then further down that area, past the drawbridge, is a whole, like, um, bunch of demi-humans and their queen. And so that demi-human chief was there as a guard protecting that community of other demi-humans, which yeah. was fascinating. Mm-hmm. And all of the all of the way they they put that together, it it tells the story if you're if you're ready to look for it, if you if you want to look for it. And this this area um, that I was in last night in the underground, real it has a really strong direction in story and art direction and and giving you a sense of what's going on. You feel like you're in a sanctuary. Yeah, but it's, it's amazing. But it but it still feels right. Is the thing like and and it still feels like the game. It still feels like the games that they were making. Yeah. Because they have those other more bespoke maze-like areas, those labyrinths. Those, those, they still definitely exist in this game. And I, I, I don't know. Okay, so we should, we should get into the next topic, which is a, a really strange one, which was for the past four days, since this game has come out, 
I have thought about this game and thought about this game and I've spoken to you about it a bunch, Kerry, and I have just continuously been overwhelmed and unable to, like, bring together and collate, like, my my thoughts about this game. Mm-hmm. More than just what my thoughts are, but I think because what I think about this game and what I what I'm what I'm seeing it doing, what is just like it is it is hard to it is hard for me to comprehend, and I think because a lot of it is this game is so it is so unlike all of its previous games, and it is so 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 like it. Yeah, but it is also so like all of them which which is something that that you were pushing back on a little bit because because your feelings were that this is this is the most dark souls game that they've made since dark souls yeah which i i I will say that is true this is the most dark souls game that they've made since dark souls but this game is not is not exclusively dark souls yes sure um which, which uh, you know, I, I know you you don't disagree with, but I, I, I you, you, you feel it is more different than I do. Yes, for a few reasons, and it's so hard to fucking put it all together. So yeah, you, you sent me this message a few days ago. It was yesterday morning, and you said, "I have so many thoughts. Every time I think about it, my mind kind of spirals a little, and I get overwhelmed with thoughts." <laughs> It, it does, and you can see it happening right now. Um, the, <laughs> the, in real time. Yeah, in real time. Um, the, the, the similarities to the Dark Souls are very obvious, especially in combat. And especially in the areas like Stormvale Castle. Um, that is a wrap around, find the elevator, pull the switch, make a shortcut, find another fucking bonfire go to the boss, up the ramp, bonfire before the boss, kill the boss, bonfire at the boss. Yeah, it's like it's like you're playing Dark Souls and they gave you a jump button, like in terms of the design of the, the system, the area. Yeah, yes. Um, but, but also, it's also like Bloodborne and Sekiro. Um, because those games are also like Dark Souls, but I think it is more like, it, it is more like... Uh, Bloodborne and Sekiro in the way that Sekiro does the wrapping around, I think with maybe a little bit more, sorry, Bloodborne does the wrapping around, but with a little bit more verticality than I think Dark Souls ever, at least early on did. Bloodborne is very vertical, especially in the city at the beginning. You are constantly going up and down flights of stairs um, in a way that I was actually reminded more of Bloodborne and actually a little bit of Demon Souls um, Mm. from that area. I think Demon Souls just because it looks like Boletaria. Yeah, and, um, and to be fair, Stormvale is very vertical. It is yes, very vertical. You are consistently going up that castle, whereas I feel like I, I wasn't going through many castles in in Dark Souls. I was going mostly like through towns that were just castly towns, or like around um, ramparts, but a yeah. through line. Yeah, yes, um, but also you are consistently being forced into being aggressive in this game. You like, there are a lot of ways you can play this game. Like for the first time ever, they've made mages and magic viable in a way that doesn't just completely break the game. As far as I can tell, like they're really focused on being able to use magic in a way that is not just like you want to win. So far as I can tell, all of the builds seem really balanced and viable, which is really great. And you know, 
it's early days. I'm sure we'll find the broken stuff and I'm looking forward to it. Um, but like they, they have, they have gone out of their way to make it not just about like, you want to do melee or do you want to do magic and win? Um, you know, you can do range combat as like a whole thing now, but you can also do like, you know, there's a lot of kind of trick weapons in this game as well, which is very Bloodborne-esque. Like there's a, like I've, I've got a whip which, are in, which is in Dark Souls and stuff, but I've, I saw a video of this weapon that is a giant stick with a spinning saw at the end of it. And you've got a, one of your heavy attacks is to just hold out the stick with a saw and it just fucking spins for as long as mana you've got. Wow. Um, it looked fucking incredible. But also being able to jump and being so agile is not as Dark Souls. Like it's, that, that was never a big thing in Dark Souls. Dark Souls was about like blocking and dodging. Whereas yeah. this is about like, you know, you can just jump over attacks and then you can jump and do attacks, which is obviously like the thing that they, that they formulated in Sekiro, but they have turned it into an additional technique in this, whereas Sekiro mm, was jumping. Yeah. yeah. Like Sekiro was jumping, attacking and parrying were like the, like that was what you were doing. But for them to include all of this into this cohesive, mass of video game i i i don't know how they did that i don't know what deal with a devil that they made i don't know what magic spells they can con concocted and i, I don't want to like i don't want to be reductive to the work that they've done because clearly what they've done is like masterful right so there's there's a you, you, I remember you saying this. This like, how did they do this? How did they they put all these games together? And it and it boggles my mind. And I could tell you how they did this. They've been making the same game since two thousand and nine. Yes, yes, like, I know. Like these games are iterative of each other. With that, like, like Demon Souls was such a a break from tradition at that point. It was such a standout. Demon Souls, and let's say to an extension. With that, within that refinement, Dark Souls One is clearly the the refinement of the original Demon Souls concept, and it executes oh, yeah. on that really well. Yes, like Demon Souls is not open in the yeah. same way that Dark Souls is. Then we had Dark Souls Two, Bloodborne, Dark Souls Three, Sekiro, and now Elden Ring. And all of those games, we call them FromSoft games as if they are their own category because they are. But like they they use really similar sound effects. They they have really similar design staples like we the reason you, you call them bonfires and the hunter's dream and and like because those are through lines of the design through each game and so it's a, the same type of ui every time you're in the same game it's you know patches is in all of them like that like it, it is a it is a continuous series exactly right and so i while i do see what you're saying where it's like they they've got these these different spins on this one game that they've been making for 13 years, right? They've got Bloodborne, which is very different to Dark Souls in its own way, but also very similar. And you've got Sekiro, which is very different in its own way, but very similar. And you've got Dark Souls, which is its own thing, and they have meshed them together. But when I look at it, I'm like, it, it does make sense to me. I, I, can, I can really see these puzzles fitting in. I think it is quite good how well they've done it. They have done it exceptionally well, where in a way where they did feel so distinct before, Bloodborne, Sekiro, Dark Souls, in a way that didn't feel like they could mesh, they have brought them in together in a really seamless way. And that that is impressive how seamless it is, I think. Um, but I can't I say I'm surprised the that they managed to do it. 
I think what's surprising to me is like like you said, like how well they've done it, but also how how natural they are actually working in unison. Like the, 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 these are not separate things that are like that are working like adjacent to each other. They are working genuinely together, um, like a like a clock. Um, and the way the way that clock ticks, the rhythm of its ticking is just so like perfect. Yeah. When like okay, it's natural. You, you, it is natural. You got to play it early, so you were you had um, your feelings about it. Yeah, I was, I was calculating as, last night. I think I'm at about sixty hours, and so early for sixty hours, considering that it was eighty seven uh, hours. I've, I've, I've played the start of this game three times, and everyone's ahead oh, of me. Oh, okay, and, sure. And I've I've played sixty hours of this game, and I'm and I'm so far behind everyone. <laughs> <laughs> um, partly for that, partly is because you're doing work in it. Exactly. Um, but like the, I, I've forgotten what I was going to say now. Um, the the idea that they are work, they are working together. That's right. So when you were developing your feelings for it, were you expecting it to hit tens? So that's that's actually a really fascinating part of my experience so far. Um, when I was playing it, we we got we got code um, about ten days before uh, the game came out, which was about seven or eight days before the embargo. Which for the reviewer at IGN was not enough time. For all the reviewers, it really wasn't yeah. enough time. Uh, uh, yeah, the, Mitchell the, somehow managed the, to fucking finish that game. That's all he did was was eat and sleep and play. And the, the that, consistent story has been that like this, this, like these codes should have come far earlier. And it's annoying because previous Souls games have come earlier and they were much smaller <laughs> and still large, still still thirty or forty hour games. You know, it's still like going to get stuck on a boss for five hours potentially. Um, but yeah, this game didn't come early enough. So that, that was a bit wrapped up in that. And then we had PC performance issues and stuff like that. So I played it at the start and I got, I got up to start of Stormvale Castle. I defeated Margit. And that was like a big, um, hitch for me was that first boss fight. Uh, and then I started the game again and then I started the recreational save as well to play on my own. Um, and it wasn't until... Because, you know, those first two saves I was doing for work, I did that first area. Basically, everything in the network test that I didn't see because I didn't engage with that content when that came out. Basically, everything in the network test, the different dungeons there, Margaret's fight, going to Round Table Hold, the, um, the Tree Sentinel and all of that. I didn't really see why people were giving it. When I woke up that morning and I saw it was getting tens, I didn't get it. And I'd been playing the game for a week. Um, but it wasn't until it was I started... At, it was sitting at 98 at Metacritic for a, for quite a long time. I think it's I think it's probably down to about 96 at this point, but like yeah. that's fucking high. It is. It is. It's it's ridiculous. It's really high. Like it was it was so many 10s, 9.5s, 9s. I haven't seen it below a 9. Um it's it's still 97. That's on, ridiculous. On, on PS5. Yeah. It hasn't been a whole week, but that's ridiculous. Um so it wasn't until I started exploring for myself, exploring naturally that I started to get it. I started to understand the Breath of the Wild comparisons. I started to understand the the draw of this game because I had just been stuck in the first map area, basically, that you unlock. Um, and that felt fine, but I didn't get it yet. I kind of, 
I just kind of knew all the spots and I was going to them to, to fill up my save because I'd done them already and I was trying to catch up to where I was. But then when I got in my other character and I went somewhere else that I hadn't been and just explored, it was amazing. And it was like playing Breath of the Wild for the first time. When I went, what I did a couple of nights ago, I went south to the Weeping Peninsula, which I've mentioned a few times today. Um, I found the map fragment, which showed me this big island that I was on. And I'm like, oh, okay, the castle to the south where this quest is happening, that's there. But there's this whole other section to the west, this whole big sort of beachy, foresty section. There's a, there's a minor earth tree there, and there's this... There's, there's so much stuff I can do. So I went through and I found the bonfires. I found some dungeons. I saw this secret, which took me to another dungeon, which took me to one of the bosses was one of those rune bears, those really, really big ones in a tiny cave. And I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. And I, and I managed it. <laughs> and then I saw a, a mausoleum, which is this like walking turtle thing, except it's a building with a bell under it. It's uh, it's amazing. And I defeated the this Erdtree avatar, which was something that you and I had found in co-op and got absolutely slaughtered by. And... I found a teleportation chest that took me to like the northmost extent of the entire map. I was under the Erd tree and it was amazing. I was in this capital and there's this dead dragon strewn across the ramparts. That's the size of Limgrave itself, which was this whole area that I'd been stuck in for 15 hours. I found an alive one last night. You found an alive dragon? Like, but not one of the little drakes. Like, no, I like know. A, like a like a raid boss. <laughs> Jeremy, there's there's one in that first area and I haven't told you where it is <laughs> because I've been waiting for you to experience it. In Limgrave? Yeah, there's one in Limgrave. I, I think I've, I think that was the one I found. It's alive? Yeah. But it's like asleep. No. I'm going to leave that to you. I'm not going to give you any more, but I think that fight is very similar. It's a very similar size. So I, I know so we're talking about the I same thing. It. Uh, yeah, but we're talking about different ones. We are talking about different ones. One I have I seen that there's more dragons. Yes. Goodness. How gracious. cool is it though? Oh my god, it's a, it's the coolest thing. It's a great um, fight. So yeah, like uh, I didn't get it uh, until I got it. And I think I weirdly got it f- maybe before you, or Definitely. at least yeah. And and I and I think that like it was I was getting it when my like as my mind was getting unboggled. Um as the unboggling was happening in my mind. Um, <laughs> Add for the hit board game, Boggle. <laughs> yeah, de- de-boggle. Um, uh, because when I was starting to comprehend what was happening, uh, I played it after all the reviews came out and I expected it to be very high because we know that they have consistently delivered quality basically every single time they've released a game since fucking, you know, since Demon Souls, essentially. Um, yeah. And even then that one wasn't rated as highly, but it was still like, you know, it was cult, um, at least in the West. Um, what shocked me prior to the game coming out, but as coverage was coming out, was that people were calling this like a once in a generation game. Mm. And I was like, okay, let's like. Hang on. I was like, hang on a minute. Let me play it. I don't know. Like, let me. the. The once in a generation decider has logged on. Let, let me let let me have a look. <laughs> I know what you mean, though. Like it's it's hard to believe. But as I was playing, I was like, "Fuck, maybe they're right." Yeah. Um, and I'm like at the conclusion now. I am like I am about twenty five ish hours, maybe. So I was actually game. looking at our 
I was comparing our trophy list, which actually compared our game time yesterday. Oh, um, cool. Right. Last night you were at about 21 hours. Oh, okay. Right. Cool. Game time. So I don't know how accurate that is. Maybe it's like an hour off or something, but yeah. It, it, it's pretty close. I haven't, I haven't left this game running. Um, uh, it is a once in a generation game. Um, I was, I was thinking about, sorry, you, you're going to. Breath of the Wild 2 comes out this year. <laughs> The, yeah, but that one's not going to be like Breath of the Wild one. I, I mean, in terms of... Uh, no, no, I know, I know. But like, but, w- 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 I will happily say that Breath of the Wild one is a once-in-a-generation game, even though it wasn't for me, mm. because that game has changed everything. Yes. I, I, don't, I don't think... I certainly didn't... No one, no one realized how much that game was going to change everything. And it is so clear this year how much that game has changed everything. Mm-hmm. We, um, we don't get this game without that game. I don't know about that. Okay. Only because it has been a long time since Sekiro. <laughs> yeah, it's been three years. Since Sekiro? Yep. 2019. It was the year of control. That was that was the year of like, oh, no great games this year, but I guess Sekiro was the game of the year. That was 2019. Year after Spider-Man and God of War. Year before Final Fantasy VII. That was not that long ago. No, it was, it was only three years. Just, <laughs> In I'm fact, it came Googling out May Se- three years ago, so it was like not Ma- even Ma- three years ago. Well, March three years ago. Um, I thought it came out in May. Not much. Um, that is <laughs> fucking wild to me because I know it's where I was when I was playing that game, and it doesn't feel like three years ago. Um, uh, I I still think we get this game without Breath of the Wild, only because this game doesn't feel like a Breath of the Wild open world game. I think you're wrong, but go on. Maybe I'm wrong. I, I, I haven't I haven't I haven't finished that thought. And I think because it doesn't take the things that Breath of the Wild that are like a Breath of the Wild is known for into the maybe it does. I'm not so sure. So Breath gonna, of the Wild does a lot of different things, right? There's no durability system. There's no like Breath of the Wild is very bite-sized in, in kind of like a, a switch way where it's like bring it out, go over, take out this Bacoblin camp and open the chest. There's a shrine over there, go get it. And then you can put it down. And within 20 minutes, you've done something meaningful. I find it's not as easy to do that in this game. But the exploration yeah, is so open-ended. Yeah, I'm immediately going back on what I said. I think, I think actually that's correct. Um, what, I, what, I, what I was leading to is that Breath of the Wild 2, I don't think can immediately once again do what Breath of the Wild 1 did to open world games or really even Zelda. I think because it's it's coming out fairly soon after and we know it's in the same world, so we know it's going to be semi-similar. Yeah. Um, not, in a, and not in a bad way at all. I don't think that's the wrong decision, but I think no, that- Breath like, of the Wild was a bit of a surprise, right? And it also took like six years for it to come out, right? It took a long time. It took an entire generation of Nintendo consoles for it to come out before they released it on both systems at the same time at the launch of a different console. Like it, that game went through a lot. Um but I, I think this is another one of those once in a generation games where like, is this a 10 for you? Because I think it is for me. I think I need to play more. Um, I have a lot of questions about balancing and leveling and um, 
you know, can you play too much of the early game so that the rest of the game becomes a stomp and stuff like that? I need to see how this this game progresses from here. Um, mm-hmm. But this weekend, it, it's been exceptional. And yeah. that's after I'd worked on it for 10 days straight, I've been playing Elden Ring for six hours a night, even after it's, all of that. It's it's wonderful. And it's... It's, it's fucking it's hard. Par- <laughs> it is fucking hard. Its parts are so strong and it is still more than the sum of them, right? Like they are... Every aspect of this game is incredibly strong in its design mm. while also coming together to create something that is so much more than that. Like it, it is creating something genuinely special. Um, There's a lot of it, harmony it, between the parts. There, there, there is. And it is notoriously difficult for me to get invested in open world games a lot of the time. They have to be a very specific type of open world game for me to be in on it. Otherwise they tend to bounce off genuinely very, very quickly and really hard. Um, and this one is not quite the type of open world game that I usually connect with. And yet I miss playing it. I didn't get to play it yesterday because I was rebuilding one of my, I was rebuilding my study and like, man, am I mad that I had to do that? Um, <laughs> because I wanted to go home and just play that fucking video game. Yep. Yep. I remember when, when you were playing it before it came out, you said to me you were maybe worried about how I was going to feel about it. I said I had no idea how you were going to feel about it. I was like, right, I okay. can't wait until you play it because I want to know what you think about it because I have no idea where you're going to land. Yeah. Because it is it is that open world thing. And you, when, what we've discovered over this last year is that you can be really hot or really cold on an open world. You know, it could be Breath <laughs> of the Wild and you're like, Pfft, or it could be Red Dead where you're like, whoa, or it could be... Um, Something else it that be, I had in my head it, that I forgot. It, it could be Fallout 3 where I'm like, or Fallout New Vegas where I'm like, yes. Exactly. <laughs> um, so, or Halo, right? Yeah. So, and especially, like, just, just to, to cap that off, um, we were talking about how this was going to be my first Souls game after me getting Souls. And I was really, really excited about that. And we were both saying, what if I hate it? Yeah. <laughs> like, like, like we were talking about that as a possibility because it totally was. Totally. I remember at the end of last E3 when we were talking about our highlights. And I just remember you sitting away from your microphone going, Elden Ring. <laughs> <laughs> I've got that like in my head. And I was sitting there going, what if he hates it? <laughs> Oh, I forgot about that. That was funny. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm pleased that you like it. I remember what you were saying earlier when you had the game, which was uh, you feel aimless. And you were just kind of bouncing around and you were just kind of going. That, that was while I was still figuring out what kind of game it was. That was when I was... I, so I was trapped in between different play styles of the three... Uh, FromSoft games that I'm most familiar with, which is Bloodborne mostly, yep. Dark Souls 1, and Sekiro, mm. which while they are all made by the same studio, they are all three of the different most FromSoft games. You know, if I was most familiar with Dark Souls 1, 2, and 3, then I would be playing it like you are, which is like a Dark Souls game. But those, all three of those games play very differently, mm-hmm. kind of. Mm-hmm. 
that I was I was trapped in between mode switching between them all until I found that it like it 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 I have to be somewhere in the middle. Yeah, I I definitely don't have the Sekiro or Bloodborne muscle memory. Like I I don't have that. So yeah. this this does feel we, we've got this written down as a section. I don't know if it. I, I, we're kind of we've kind of just we, we have we've, touched we've, on that. We've run off our our sections, I think, but that's okay. A little bit, um, yeah. But one of the sections here is called the old Homer butt groove, <laughs> because that's what I felt like this game was, right? Which is kind of gross yeah. when you think about the actual Simpsons scene where he gets into the the really greasy, <laughs> depressed <Yeah>. couch cushion. <laughs> but I sat down to this game. And I'm like, yep. Here I am. Yeah. It's Dark Souls. I know how to play this. The game clicked for mm-hmm. me five years ago in Bloodborne, funnily enough, and and I'm here, and I'm still here, and I still get it, and I'm ready to go. Um, and, you know, I still die a lot, <laughs> but it's not that, it's not like it was for those first dozen, 15, 18 hours when I was playing these games originally, where it was like, I don't get it. I guess I've progressed. I guess that was satisfying. I guess I'm leveling up, like making progress, but not enjoying it but no i'm i'm in this it, it felt so natural and it really feels like they've taken that they've added the guard counter which is awesome that that like block then heavy attack turn yep. which is really cool and and leaves you vulnerable if you don't do it at the right time it's not a it's not an it's not a win button they've taken that and they've taken the jump button and they've paired that with attacks They've paired that with the stance meter from Sekiro, so you can stun enemies, which you could do in other games as well. But you can stun enemies with heavy attacks, oh, which is great. They—they've the, like it's—it's it's poise. It's a meter you build up, and then you do a heavy attack to trigger it. Like that is like that is what happens all the time in Sekiro. Hmm. Um, and, and poise was in <laughs> Dark Souls One, but yeah, it's, it was a massive. It was a fundamental core of Sekiro. Yeah, and then they—they they put it in Sekiro, and then they made it invisible in this. Yeah. And it works. It's amazing. It's great. It's amazing. It's incredible. <laughs> and and so aside from those combat things, which are small, neat, fundamental additions, it feels really similar. Ah, oh, and then there's the Ashes of War. You know, the more I think about it, the more I'm talking to you, the more I'm like, yeah, no, they've actually done a really good job. And I think my mind is starting to to come along to your boggle state, I think, the more we speak about this. Because what Welcome I'm to the Boggle Zone. <laughs> the Boggle Zone. Name of the podcast? Um, yeah, I think so. <laughs> so what I think... Elden Ring, the Boggle Zone. Uh, so what I think... <laughs> what I think I'm realizing is they did it so flawlessly that I didn't yeah. realize how impressive it was. Yeah. They did it so naturally. They did it so seamlessly that I didn't realize how good it is. I'm I'm going to jump ahead a little bit into something that we um, have on the list, which is us playing multiplayer yep. for two reasons. Two more things they have done flawlessly is not made summons wins and yep. not made multiplayer win. Yeah. Like, what? That was like, weird, right? So we had a whole yeah. co-op session. And then we finished it off because I was playing my second character. It was like, oh, let's go beat Margaret the Fell, who's like the first uh, like required boss fight. I think you can skip Stormfail, but if you're going to do, it's basically the first boss fight you're directed to do. The others are basically optional before that. Yep. And he's hard. Like he's the kind yeah. of boss you get to and it's like, I'm not ready for this. And you fuck off and you go do something else until you're ready. Yes. And both of us had beaten him. I'd beaten him twice by this yep. point. And so we were like, oh, let's just go beat Margaret. We've got the two of us and we know that summons make it easier. 
And yeah. it's like, oh, there's an NPC summon here as well. So I summoned you, and then I summoned Roger the Mage. Mage? Yeah. Mage. Um, <laughs> Roger the Mage. Roger the Mage. <laughs> and... And I almost, I, was, I looked for, but we couldn't do, I wanted to summon the, the ashes that, um, yeah, of which, like warriors, do like color. wolves, but they don't let you do that. So that's fair enough. And yep. we get in there and we get trounced every time. We lose every time. Mm-hmm. I even had the like special item that stuns Margaret for like 10 seconds and we were wailing on him and it didn't yeah, matter. I'm- we died every I- time. I, I was focusing on breaking the poise. You were doing damage and like trapping and Roger, Roger was <laughs> Yeah, Roger, Roger was was aggro, um, and uh, like a boss that you've beaten twice, I've beaten once. We couldn't beat with yeah. help. It was uh, so strange because one of the things that I was talking to you about why I didn't want to play multiplayer immediately is because in every game of past that they've made, it's been largely like uh, they haven't the bosses haven't haven't been able to handle more than one target at once. They are meant for like you versus the boss, you overcome it. And it feels awesome when you do, but largely when there's a second target to hit your, you just get out scot-free and you can just wail on the, on the boss. This is not the case. No, it Um, felt like it scaled. More than scaled. It was using way more AOE attacks than it does when it's one-on-one. It was using the, like the spin attack a bunch. Yeah, like the tail sweep. And there are so many more slam attacks as well. I was noticing it was doing that way more when I was doing it one-on-one the first time, which is really fascinating and also really exciting that maybe we do a boss that neither of us have done at the same time. Um, because like, it feels like it's not going to be a cheese. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. It's <sighs> This game's great. Yeah. I, don't, I, I, I really do think I have to get a lot of the way into it until I feel until I know how I feel about it, and it's like, been so, so do I. Like I, it might change, but also yeah, totally. right so, now, something in terms. So we've got the old Homer butt groove here, but I've got written that ne- next to that new couch from Plush because it's because yes. you was you were sounding like that you felt this was so different, and that's because you were talking about you know working against those three muscle memories of of the different types of Souls games. Yeah. How does this sit with you within those different types of soul games? How do you feel about its combat systems compared to those? I think it's very different. I I was wondering if this was going to replace my favorite souls game, which is Bloodborne. I I don't, I don't think it is. Um, And I think because while this game does more like incredibly fucking well, like the other games I think do less, like and I think like to its strength, um, I I don't know. I I almost feel like I have to separate them because I I'm not playing this like a Souls game. So one of the notes that I have here, that I that I was thinking about my feelings for the game, is that when I play these games, I tend to need to require no small amount of momentum when I'm playing them. Um, that I think is because it took me a long time to get good at these games. I mm-hmm. played through, I played Bloodborne when it came out, shit at it, didn't connect with it. Played Sekiro when it came out, got the blocking, but I still didn't get amazingly far. Mm-hmm. And then I played Demon Souls when it came out, and that was the first one I finished, but that one also doesn't play like the others. And then I went back and played Bloodborne, and then after I played Bloodborne, I played all of Dark Souls 1. 
And when I, like that combination of me doing Bloodborne Dark Souls 1 was when I finally started to get these games and understand what I needed to do. But what happened is the way I beat those games was I needed an amount of momentum to continue forward to know that I wasn't basically failing because the moment I fall off those games is the moment I have two, three play sessions where I don't make any progress. That's when I feel like I'm doing terribly and I'm not having fun and I stop. Um, so and what I, I, I would say for those previous Souls games, I do feel like it's easy to feel like there's a wrong way to play them. Yep, definitely. Yeah, you feel like I'm doing something wrong. What, like, what, what do I, what am I doing wrong, basically? Which is a, it's a really unhappy mindset to be in a lot of the time. Totally. So I wrote here, Souls games to me have had a lot of momentum because it took me years with different terms, different play styles. When I find it, I tend to play these capture games. I need to continuously progress to feel like I've played correctly. If I don't do something new every time, I feel like I failed at the game for a play session. This game masks that by giving me something new every single time I play that isn't just winning the fight. There is always something to do while remaining kind of quiet. I have made progress in this game and not even seen a new boss. And I still feel like I've gotten really far in the game because I found a new area, found another side of grace, another faster way to do something, something cool over there, something sick over there. The world is so large and full of life, but I'm always able to have a moment alone and still kind of relax a little. Mm. Even if I'm, even if I have a play session where I don't actually make any progress or see something new, I feel like I've still been in this world that I'm, I'm honestly not really playing it like a Souls game in terms of game progression. Yep. Because those old Souls games are about like fighting, like winning the next fight and then the fight after that. Mm-hmm. Whereas this, if you leave a fight, sometimes that is the way to do that. Totally. There are plenty, like, of, there are plenty the, of enemies the, where you don't fight. It's like, don't fight me right now. You need to get past me and then come that's back. That's their or first something. lesson they teach you after the tutorial. You open the door yep. to the open world and right in front of you is this golden knight on a horse. And if you go there, you will get fucked. You can't Tree do Sentinel. it. Well, you could, you, could possibly, you could probably do it. But you could, like but you, 99% you of players won't be able to do that when they, yeah. when they get to that fight. And I will say, maybe that first boss that kills you immediately shouldn't actually be there. Yeah, I don't think that teaches weird. you anything. I don't really know what it's there for. It felt like a demon souls, like, hey, there's that big demon that you fight and you die and you wake up in the thinger. But it doesn't like, that was more narrative in demon souls. And this, I don't really know what, what it really gives you. Um, to the point where I forgot about it until you mentioned it the other day. Um, but yeah, like the opening zone is is a wonderful tutorial of like how to play this game, which is, Fuck the tree sentinel. That guy's strong as hell. Come yep. back way later. Just go hang out with these soldiers for a bit and then Yeah. Learn the game. And yep. like learn how you want to play the game, I think is even more important. And there is that option, right? I think this game gives you the most possibilities, the most uh the most freedom to play it how you want. It gives you the most freedom to it doesn't feel like there's a wrong way to play, which is which is endemic with those previous games. So, like, right now, like, because I play so thoroughly when I play an open world game, I find my characters are becoming quite strong for the areas that I'm in. And so I'm, I'm sitting there going like, oh, maybe that's not the right way to play this. And I'm like, no, there's still going to be... There's still going to be enemies that are really fucking hard. There's still going to be ones yep. that counter whatever this this particular character I'm playing is strong for. There's still yep. going to be times where 
there's something to overcome and there's nothing wrong with being strong for an area and stomping through it. There's plenty of game here. There's going to be plenty mm. of challenge. There's nothing wrong with being strong in a certain area. That's just the way my character played out. Yep. I honestly think there's too much content in that first area that if you do it all, you will be overpowered by the end of it for that area. Maybe, yeah. Um, we're, 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 getting, we're getting to the end of the timer. Do, yeah. do, you, have, do, you, have, do you have more? Do you have, a, do you have like, a, like a hot like story you want to you wanna bring? Let me consult. Um, in the, uh, do you want the multiplayer one, or do you want to actually? I'll, I'll start off with the multiplayer. With, with, are we with, ready to? Talk, are we ready to finish this, Jeremy? Because we've got all of this. Maybe we have a break. I think we should have a break. We'll yeah. see how much we're going to talk about when we come back. I don't. I don't know if I'm ready to stop talking about this game. Yet. Okay. All right. We can have a break, and then we can we can keep going. At the very least, we'll have some 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 fun stories that we've had along the way that we'll we'll come back to when we come back. But yeah. Yeah, I'll tell you the legend of a great hero that I met while playing this game. <laughs> Host of Fingers. Host of Fingers. <laughs> uh, okay, everyone, just rest on your laurels for a second. Uh, we'll be right back. Welcome back to the Minimap Cast. We have stood up stretched our legs and now it's time to sit back down into the old Homer butt groove. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That is Elden Ring. Um, So we've been doing some research on the... Trifinger butt groove. Pardon? (laughs) Trifinger butt groove. (laughs) (laughs) The Elden groove. Uh, so yeah, we've been we've been doing some research on our on our uh, topic that's coming up in a sec here. So we're, we're we're jumping back into Elden Ring though before we get there. Um, something that's new for this game is its mainstream popularity. It has broken through in a way that I'd say no previous Souls game has. Uh, from soft game, uh, Elden uh, uh, rather Dark Souls three. I remember people saying that. That was one that was that was breaking records for Bandai Namco when that came out in terms of most sold game in X number of days, stuff like that. Like it did well when it came out, and it was popular among uh, Souls fans, especially at launch. But it didn't. It had the baggage of Dark Souls, where people who had played those games, who played, tried playing the first one and the second one, and bounced off them, were like, "No, I know this isn't for me," and they they didn't they didn't go for it. People. If people asked if they should play it, they were like, oh, no, you, if you, it's really hard. And a lot of people probably got talked away from it and turned, turned away from it. But this yep. game has hit a fervor pre-release and a fervor post-release that is pulling so many people in, I think, that haven't played games like this before. Yeah, this um, is hitting mainstream. It is. The the discourse right now, the the like you were saying before we started the podcast, Jeremy, like... Your entire timeline, mine as well, is just Elden Ring, and I haven't seen that since Breath of the Wild, really. Um, yeah, like it, every second tweet, like I'm not kidding, is another Elden Ring, tweet. and I love it, right? Like yeah, I'm totally it's, it's there. It's wonderful, <laughs> and and like I go to bed at night and I'm on my phone and I'm on, on Twitter and I'm like, I got to stop thinking about this game and go to sleep. Um, yeah, yeah. I think part of that is because it got such a buzz when it was announced in like 2019, like same year the Sekiro came out. And 
It was like from the creators of Sekiro and Dark Souls with like written by George R.R. R. Martin, the author of Game of Thrones. And this was I, I, I think the phrase the- they're using is from the mind of Hidetaka Miyazaki. Yep. And George yeah, from the mind. <laughs> from the minds of. I, I believe, yeah. Which is which is a lot, right? Because the people who love souls love love Hidetaka Miyazaki and the pe- and George R. R. Martin is behind one of the most popular media franchises in the world right now. And again, this was before season eight of the TV show had come out and kind of soured the reception to to the series. Um, so this was a big deal. And and then you didn't hear anything after that really until like six months ago. And so it rode that hype for ages. The amount of times people would say, I can't wait to see Elden Ring. I can't wait to see Elden Ring. I can't wait to see Elden Ring. And I'm sitting there me. going, guys... Sekiro came out a year ago. You gotta wait. <laughs> but I can't help but wonder if it's going to reach the most people it's ever reached and and fall away. Like whether whether so many people are gonna pick it up and they're just not gonna follow through. Or whether the open world design and that sort of thing I was saying of you can explore that area and become overpowered really quickly but that's going to enable a more casual experience to be able to be played for this game. What do you reckon, Jeremy? I think, I think there, are, there are fewer stopping points in this game for someone that is grinding against it that I think more people will be able to overcome some of the challenges in this game faster than a, a, a standard Souls game. Um, Sekiro was uncompromisingly difficult, and if you didn't beat the boss, then you kind of, like, you were kind of stuck, and you had to learn it. And Dark Souls games give you bosses, and Bloodborne as well, they give you bosses very, very quickly. Um, And those bosses are also immediately, like, progression blocks. Like, if you don't beat the boss, then you can't get past the boss sort of thing. So I think this game has a larger potential for people to stick with it and not fall off of it as much. Um, But it's still really hard. Um, Marguerite is a very difficult boss very early on that even people who are more experienced in the genre like you or I were still having trouble with them very early on. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Um... I think this could be for a lot of people. So we spoke about um, how, like in the past, we've spoken about how Skyrim for a lot of people were their first like RPG. Mm. Um, it, that means a lot. That that game means a lot to a lot of people um, and is very important in that way. Um, with The Witcher 3 being another one, um, which yep. is a bit more dense and a bit heavier to learn. Um I don't know if this will reach that, but I think it is maybe the next step for those folk who are not super into games. Maybe they only get a few games a a year, but are really into that style. Mm. Um, I'm I'm not sure. I, I hope it can be. I think that would be really great. And I think this would be a good next step for them. But yeah, I, it, it is still, it is still one of those games which yep. are very unique. Absolutely. And 
like you know I, something that happens when i play fallout bethesda games skyrim stuff like that i'll play 20 40 60 hours and i'll fall off and i'll i'll only make it through about an eighth of the main quest and yeah. i'll do because i'm so thorough and and so i i play that game and i experience it i don't get anywhere near completing it but i don't feel like i haven't had an authentic skyrim experience um pardon me and so i feel like there's 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 much more room to do something like that in this game as well where people can like just faff around and be like i, I fought this boss and this boss i did this oh yeah i got through stormvale castle in the end that's fun and i got to the area and i got stuck and i thought i'd come back to it and i never did i think there's going to be more room for that than ever before like i don't think the more casual audience is going to be weeded out as quickly they're not going to hit these roadblocks i, I think I, I described it in a server in a discord server and someone's like oh how is it and i'm like instead of it being a corridor and to get to the end of the corridor you have to ram your head through 150 brick walls that are in front of you like it's yeah. more like you're in a room full of brick walls. And if this one's too hard right now, you can go find another one. And also the sky is really pretty. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, I it, think it is important to, to know that it, 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 it's nice to be in this world, I think is a, is a really big factor in that. Mm. Like being in The Witcher, being in Skyrim, both of those games are quite uh, striking and quite, like the, once again, the right amount of dense right? You're not going to go on for miles and not see anything. And you're not going to be tripping over things all the time. It's got that good balance of like, you're on your own and then you're in a civilized area and then you're on your own again. Um, And like this, you know, like we said earlier, like this falls into that in a way that I think will be more welcoming to a lot of people. Um, As well as being able to just ride in a direction Mm-hmm. It's freedom, I think, will allow people to have unique experiences like they do in Skyrim, less so The Witcher, but still The Witcher. Yeah. I think it's I think it's a more approachable game. Yeah. I wouldn't say it's more accessible from, like, an accessibility standpoint, but I'd say it's more approachable. Yeah, definitely. Um, and that's that's fun, you know? It's cool that that can, that can do that. Um, I do think part of its high review score, though, is the fact it's being... FromSoft games get reviewed by reviewers who are familiar with FromSoft games. It's basically what happens. And it doesn't necessarily mean there's anything wrong with that. But these games are difficult if you haven't played them. Rather, they are difficult, especially when you haven't played them before. Yes. Um, And I'm deeply curious. I might, after this episode, I might try and find a review of someone who's had a play of the game and hadn't played a souls game before i hadn't enjoyed a souls game before if such a thing exists i don't know if those reviews are out there um because that is i think that's going to be the 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 true test everyone's been wondering what is it going to be like for people who aren't and people have been speculating saying oh i don't think it is good for people who aren't familiar with the genre oh i think it's okay for this We, we don't know though everyone i've heard speaking about this already knows these games um I think the most similar thing to that sort of idea is I saw uh, Gita Jackson talking about it yesterday and they were saying uh, that they haven't fought a single boss and they've just been hanging around the, again, the Weeping Peninsula and they're like 15 hours in and they're having the best time just to explore. Yeah, yeah like I, I think they said something along the lines of like, Elden Ring is great because I can go somewhere and sort of be bored with it and then just go in a different direction or something like that, mm-hmm. which is like, 
that is the game, you know, affords you that freedom. Mm-hmm. Um, the and game has, is catered for that. It has so many cool moments, like the approach to Castle Morn, you know, when you're riding down the hill, and then there's that giant golem archer who, like, sees you before you see it, and, like, all of a yeah. sudden there's an arrow the size of a tower that yeah. just barely missed you, and you're like, holy shit. Yeah, uh-huh. I had that exact moment. <laughs> yeah, I was actually, I was jumping off my horse to to get a golden seed by one of the things, and as I jumped off, yeah, and when you do, like, a running dismount, it's really cool, because Torrent is this, like, ghost steed, so Torrent, like, fades away under you, and you, like, leap off it. And so my character's leaping off, and as they start their, like, their, their drop down from their jump, the arrow flies over their head, and it's like, Whoa! absolutely yep. amazing. Yep, yep. Um, so, yeah, what, what, what stories do you, do you have to tell from your time with Elden Ring here? I, I have two. One, which is I went to uh, the, the peninsula that we've been talking about, the one of the south, and I followed, I, I spoke to the lady who was blind and went to the castle and stuff, and I was fighting, fighting a bunch of dudes. They were pretty tricky, so it took me a few tries to get through that area. And then I went to the top of the castle, and there's a dude up there, which is like, the castle's lost... I'm the commander. Commander's got to stay. Like, basically, like, you know, captain can't leave his ship, basically. Yeah. You know, I'm, Even I'm although, be like, everyone's dead. Yeah, not a single person is alive. Is that from him? He's like, I got I to gotta stay here. And I'm in my mind, like, a reading, like, oh, yeah, this guy's, like, pretty bummed out and stuff. And he goes, like, yeah, I like, got to protect the treasure. I got to protect the sword or whatever. And I'm like, mm, sword. And so, like, I immediately just left. I just, like, I did not finish, that, like, that conversation at all. And I scoured the entire thing. I found it. Um, I have, you know what this, yeah, you know, this sword. <laughs> yeah. This is a sword made out of swords. <laughs> yeah. It's the game of Thrones sword. It's like it's, game it's, of Thrones throne, but it's a sword. It's, it looks fucking sick. It yeah. is so ridiculously big. It's got a, it's got a strength requirement of 40, it's 40. It is so high. It is like, well, I guess I'm putting everything into strength from now on. Cause I want to wield this sword actually. Yep. Um, that, that was very funny just to have like, oh yeah, like it's all sad and die. Oh, there's a sword here, buy it. Like it just like, I immediately left. I did, I did not even finish what he was saying. Yeah. Um, that, ma- that made me laugh quite a bit as I did that. <laughs> um, the other story that I have is uh, just, just to briefly give backstory, multiplayer in these games has always been pretty fucking shit to set up. Yeah. Um, it's a choose. There's items and there's consumables you got to do and you got to like, you got to write a you got to write your name on a piece of paper and then put it in a bottle and then send that bottle out in the ocean and you know wait for a X second Thursday in the month for like whoever you want to play with to find the bottle on the on the beach and then you got to read it upside down in a mirror while st- like standing on your head to get the online service to con- it's anyway it's better in this of, one but it's still not great it's not it's not very good um you know i understand building it into the game. I think that is neat. Um, the idea of invasions, I think is a really cool system. And I've always really thought it was fascinating, even though it will fuck me sometimes. I think it's a really fascinating system Mm. to have a really, really like offensive, um, mode of multiplayer interaction, I think is really cool. Um, but when I just want to play with my friend, like just give me a menu option. Uh, yeah. It doesn't need. It doesn't need to be this complicated. Like, let us connect through like the Xbox Party system or something. 
Yeah, right. Um, and so while trying multiple different ways of trying to uh, play with Kerry, um, I put my name in a hat in the standard multiplayer pool in the hope that Kerry would see it. And I'm standing uh, in the front area of the game on the steps. And we've tried this like five times. Like, you put your sign down, I don't see it. Uh, I'll restart yeah. my game. <laughs> we're, we're about 10 minutes into Googling and trying to figure out how it works. And I put my name down in the hopes that Kerry's, uh, in hopes in Kerry's game, my sign will show up and he can summon me. And a little message pops up saying like, hey, you're being summoned into another world. And I'm like, oh, Kerry, did I, did you see my name? Did you summon me? And you're like, no, I didn't. And I'm like, oh, well, I guess I'm going to some randoms world then. <laughs> and I enter this world of this majestic warrior in front of me named Big Tex. <laughs> Host of Fingers, Big Tex. Host of Fingers was his title and his name was Big Tex. And he wants me to help him fight the tree sentinel at the start. And I feel bad because I don't want to leave because I think you can only summon once per like life. And so he'd have to go and like reload the zone or something. I didn't want to, didn't want to have to do that. So I was like, look, keep looking while I try and help big techs fight the fucking tree <laughs> sentinel. Um, and like that was, that's basically it. We get like, we get three quarters of the way through and the tree sentinel uses a very big attack that like basically one shots both of us at the same time and we die. So we like, unfortunately I left big Tex's world and, Look, big text. If you're out there, hit me up. Let me know how you went. Um, <laughs> feel free to send me an email if you have. I want to know if you ended up beating the tree sentinel. Feel free to reach out. Um, but yeah, that was funny to hopefully enter Kerry's world and accidentally enter the world of Big Tech's host of fingers. Yeah, that was, um, that was a good, good name. I've 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 encountered a number <laughs> of people talking about names in relation to Elden Ring. For one of them, mm -hmm. that you were like you were talking about your steed. When you finally got your steed and you said Steve. Yeah, yeah my my Steve. Uh, you said beef steed. Yeah, it's beef steed. <laughs> Which I thought was very funny. As as well as I've heard of t uh, uh, people talking about um, enemies when they go to fight them as ending their careers. I'm like, that's another name, career ender. And, uh, yep. and then another one I got written down here. I don't know where that came from, but I've written down neglected knee as well. That's, that's going to be another character name at some point. One of my favorite multiplayer stories was um, we basically what we did was we showed each other the things the other person hadn't seen for a few hours. And yeah. so you you showed me a lot of the like entrance to Kaled, which was really cool, and the dogs and the Erd Tree avatar. Um, we did show and tell for a little bit. Yeah, we did. And then it was like, oh, let's go beat Margaret. Oh, but let's go get the item that messes him up first. You could see what that's like. And mm. so we went to we went to this lake area. I was like, it's a few. <laughs> It took us so long because there were it like three confrontations along the way. And so when I did it, but then we had to like separate to get into the dungeon, which then meant Jeremy had to do it in his own world. Anyway, it was this whole thing. And then the like invasion happened in my world and the person fell through the map and we just won automatically. It was so weird. Like I didn't even see them. They just fucking fell. <laughs> so, but this is all to get to this one dungeon where you, and it's this like thieves bent hideout. <laughs> <laughs> I now remember this story. I forgot where this was going. I'm really remember. glad I remembered it in time for this. Um, <laughs> and so you get to the boss room, and this is minor spoilers for the game. It's a great discovery for Souls diehards. Um, so may, it, it's it's a fun discovery. If you don't get too much, though, like it's a fun story to listen to. Um, we get to the boss room, and nothing happens in there. There's just a chest and a campfire. And I know it's going to happen because I've been here before. And so Jeremy goes over there, 
He opens the chest and then someone starts talking to him. Well, well, well. And and all of a sudden, from the from the cliff face, Patches jumps down. He's like, gonna steal someone's hard-earned belongings, are you? That b- fucking that bald-headed freak is back. <laughs> <laughs> and and you'd ask, is Patches in the game? And I I basically only responded to you with like eye emoji, just like, ooh, I don't know. And <laughs> so I get the surprise. Yes. And when I fought Patches uh, like like a week ago, like I basically like hit him twice and he was he like cowers. He's like, oh don't kill me. And then he yeah. becomes like a vendor for you, which is funny. Um Which is like what happens in every game. Right, yes. If you and don't so, kill him, he'll become a vendor. But like Patches is like he's got like a boss fight bar in this. And he's like talking to you and and you you go up and you're going to fuck him up and he parries you immediately. He kicks you, stuns <laughs> you, stabs you through with a spear and you die immediately. And then the world fades and I'm back in my own world. He fucked you up so quickly. Immediately, immediately killed me. Perfectly. And he's not a hard fight. I don't know how, I don't, I don't know why or how, but for some reason, like, every, you know, the stars aligned his parry and then stab through my chest instantly fucking killed me. It was yep. hilarious. Yep. And Patches is not a, he's never been a strong anything. Nope. It was so funny. So fucking funny. Uh, and it was, I was very glad to have watched it. And cause you died and I was like, stay away, Patches. Don't kill me. Stay away. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, just the other things. Just the uh, final parts of my story. Uh, I've got a few characters. So my my first character on Xbox, my actual save, um, was basically a, a copy of my character on PC. But I'd found this really cool helmet on my PC save, which was there were these monsters called land octopuses, which are basically they're like Tangela from Pokemon, except awful. Mm. <laughs> and they're covered in yeah, like tentacles and they just crawl they're, they're around on the ground and they They're straight out of fucking Yarnum. They they really are. And they go <laughs> one ate me the other day. <laughs> like just full on swallowed me. Um, yeah. uh, and when you kill them, it, they give you a land octopus helmet, which is this massive tentacles with a tiny little beak sticking out around the nose. Mm. And I desperately wanted that. And so with my character, I grinded I found this nearby octopus, land octopus spawn, and I just killed them for about 30 minutes, desperately looking for this helmet. And I found it. I did eventually find it. And now I feel very at home. Um, And that character has a lot of fun wielding a twin blade like Darth Maul and also hook blades like like Wolverine and just a big fuck off curved sword. So I just love this character. He's just got this weird head and just these really sick weapons. Yeah, I, I just have the greatest time with that character. Uh, I also have a couple of other characters. I, I named another one, and I wasn't sure mm-hmm. to name it, so I just called them Limbonk. Yeah, that, that's the one I'm most familiar with. I don't know what that means, but it's funny. No, no, and then no. when I, I was making a third character... For, what? I asked you and you didn't know. <laughs> no, I didn't. This is funny, Limbonk. Um, but then when I was making a third character for uh, a video I was making... Uh, I just had to make someone random pick certain special items, whatever. So it didn't matter. And I made me name the character and the Xbox keyboard comes up and it's got a shortcut for .com. And this is going to be a mage. So I called this this character magic.com 
Uh, and so I can't, wait, I can't wait till I build them up at some point. Uh, <laughs> I, I just love every time I, I load up my save. I've got my three characters and their portraits, including Octopus Head, Limbonk, yeah. and Magic.com. Yeah. It's, uh, it's one of my favorite things. It's, these games are so silly. Yeah, I have, I have once again called my soul's character Neck. Neck. Just because I feel, I don't know, I feel like if, if you walked into a character named Neck in any of these games, that's like a name that would be in these worlds. Yeah. It's like patch, you know, patches. It's like patches, know. yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Neck has been my, my soul's go-to for, for quite a while now. It's quite good, especially with you, because you chose like the prisoner, right? And it's got that weird helmet. Yeah. That's very good. Yeah. Ah, oh, well, that that's that's Elden Ring, everyone. We're probably going to be playing it for the next few weeks, <laughs> months, years. It's so big, and it's the kind of thing where it's like I'm more inclined to try different builds in this game than I am in any other Souls game prior. Yeah, and it's the biggest Souls game ever, and so then it's yeah. like, am I just going to be playing this game all year? I, I I've been thinking the exact same thing. Um, I will be talking next week about Gran Turismo Seven. Mm-hmm. At least. So I won't have as much time maybe in Elden Ring next week as I will this yeah. as I have this week. And I'm gonna try and do I'll try and do a uh uh what was I doing? Game pass check in. Uh but also might talk about Elden Ring for half an hour next week. Who knows? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh so our next our, our our sort of it's not the topic of the show because Elden Ring's definitely the topic of the show, but we've got a sort of a, a fun hypothetical scenario that we wanted to run through. It's like a fun little little thing little little discussion a little little uh little hypothetical little uh little thing right uh and so we're gonna go through that it's a and jeremy we're gonna give a bit of a brief history lesson for this one as well so everyone's on the same page uh yeah yeah just like a, a little one um I've, I've got i've got the topic written down though as the nintendo playstation a 10-year hypothetical perspective retrospective <laughs> Yeah, that's it. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so in the late 80, late eighties, early nineties, um, uh, before PlayStation entered the uh, game console market uh, on its own, um, it had had a partnership with Nintendo, where Nintendo and PlayStation were going to come together and create a CD playing game console. Uh, it's called. Called uh, the Super NES CD-ROM, yeah. Um, which was is going to be like an add-on and also its own thing, and it's going to be a big deal because you know Nintendo were going to make a, a disc system for the first time. Um, Sony were entering the games market, and there was a lot of excitement around it. It was going to be very big, um, and then at, like there were the agreement like it, people often blame Nintendo for this and that while they are partly to blame it is also a uh, blame is on Sony for the deal that they put through um Sony were going to retain a lot of the uh like s- s- like a lot of the money that was going to be a part of the like a licensing and IP that was happening while this is also while Nintendo were allowing you to make game make their make games with their properties on other platforms um, and then Nintendo were only going to start making money on some of the cartridge sales and not the CD. It was like, it was a very weird deal that was more on Sony's side. And then because of that, Nintendo fucked them and then went to Toshiba 
to oh no sorry went to Philips to create the CDI mm. um, at the last minute after they had already announced the Sony Nintendo partnership mm. and then Sony were you know rightfully so quite angry with that and then they went well fuck it we've put all this money into it we're going to make our own console and then they made this supercomputer called the PlayStation I don't know if you heard of it um, <laughs> and you know the, the rest goes on with Nintendo eventually uh, creating the N64 which has a wonderful library and a not a very good success rate it's also got um, the 64 disk drive attachment. Yeah, like it was there were it it, it was a very strange time. Um and basically because they got burned is what Sony is the reason Sony entered the game console creation market mm-hmm. as they did. Cuz they put so much into it and they had to make something back from it, but yeah. Nintendo really did fuck them. <laughs> yeah, it it was a it was a very very interesting story. Um it exists someone has it. Uh yeah, so I thought it would be a fun idea to, instead of having a really big discussion topic, we just sort of go through some some interesting what ifs of what would have happened if, if the, if the Nintendo PlayStation existed as a as a thing that went forward from there, mm-hmm. if their if their partnership did not fail, if they combined into some weird amalgamation of what those two companies were, mm-hmm. and what would have happened in the ten years following. Um. So I've got one from, like I've 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 got I've got some dates on some of them, but some of them don't have dates because a little bit more vague. Well, yeah, um, we we both kind of made our own timelines of what yeah. we thought might happen. Yeah, so I reckon we'll just go back and forth with ideas of what would have happened. Um, the first one I've got here is that Ridge Racer would have actually been an F Zero game. Yeah. Um, I reckon it. You know, they wouldn't have been as keen on new properties back then. F Zero would have been a big hit for them on the SNES. And then they were going to turn, it would have been like F-Zero Ridge or something or, you know, or Ridge Zero or something Ridge like Zero. that. It, it, yeah, it would have been would have been Captain Falcon flying in his ships, but like so, so along the So here's the thing for you, Jeremy. F-Zero X is on the 64, right? You're saying uh, this is yes. that except made by Ridge Racer? Ridge Racer was going to be an F-Zero game. <laughs> Okay. There's not a whole lot of details here. This isn't, this isn't, I haven't thought too hard about that one. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. yeah. Fair enough. So in that, in that case, do we start seeing F-Zero arcade machines instead of Ridge Racer arcade machines? Ooh, maybe. That, that would be cool. cool. Like that Imagine would like. Nintendo enter the arcade market after the fact, right? Imagine if they went back to the arcade market. Yeah. That's interesting. I mean, they kind of did that with that like Mario Kart like ride yeah, I guess. thing they were doing in Tokyo. That was like right as COVID was kicking off though. Well, they made a theme park, but like they've got that Mario Kart, yeah, arcade machine as well. Mm. Where you can like ride and throw shells and bananas mm. or something. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> so the SNES CD drive was probably going to come out around 93, 94 and they were mm-hmm. trying to get stuff for it. And we know that uh, Nintendo came in with the CDI from Philips and they came in with some stuff and that's where those awful Zelda games come from. Yes. And they never did it again. And the yeah, stuff that was being developed for terrible. it immediately got ported to SNES and then 64 cartridge-only games. Yeah. Uh, it was a disaster. So what I've got written here <laughs> is, um, you know, if the Nintendo PlayStation goes ahead, Super Mario 64 originally came out in 96, but... I'm saying they would have pushed it earlier 
for the the SNES CD-ROM. Super Mario 64 would have been a CDI-like prototype released at launch of the add-on for the SNES CD-ROM. It wouldn't have it been 3D? And 3D Mario games don't come out until the Wii in 2006. <laughs> because Ooh. it's an abject failure. <laughs> Surely not, though, because 3D was booming in, like, 2005. Oh, yeah, no, like, 3D was, like, the only way. And, like, you yeah. know, maybe that's, maybe that's too nuclear, but I just love I the idea that they little, tried to sell this heavy. terrible hardware with Mario, and it's so unrefined and so bad. It's, like... It's like beta Mario 64, and it's awful. So my version of that, uh, the Super Mario Brothers movie comes out in 1993 as planned. Okay. Published by Sony Pictures because they've got this great deal. Okay. With a tie-in video game. Super Mario Brothers, the movie, the game 3D. (laughs) (laughs) However... What dramatically has changed is that Bob Hoskins is now employed and contractually obliged to do the voice of Mario for the 3D games. Charles Martinet doesn't get picked up. Wow. And Mario, as we know, it is different going forward because of the movie. Wow. What's, what's Bob Hoskins' Mario per performance like? Oh, it's great. It's like, hey, Luigi, we got to go to go the Toads. He's a, he's a New York plumber. Fuck. <laughs> Does Mario enjoy the success that it does long term with this with this arrangement? Uh, probably not. Probably not. <laughs> well, because that was Charles. That was what Charles Martinet was going to do. He he recorded a bunch of lines where he was doing an Italian plumber, right? Um, okay. And an Italian American plumber, and then he was like, "Do you mind if I try something? I want to do something a little bit more kid friendly because a lot of these." you know, video game characters are kind of like, you know, tough and stuff. Like I want to do something maybe my kids can enjoy. And he, he does the Mario voice and they're like, oh, that's way better. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, really? Is that, is that really what happened? Martin, they just did that in the booth? I think either that or he was doing it for, there was like a 3D version of Mario that was like a, at a convention and he was hiding behind it doing the voice for the convention yeah, at the time. Yeah, yeah. And I think, I think he was trialing voices there as well. Mm. Because um, it was like some interactive thing, like showing off the 3D capabilities that Nintendo was It was, was meant on. to be like his face. Was it the bit where it was like Mario's face on the screen or something like that? I think so. But he, but the voice initially went into Mario teachers typing. That's where we know it first. Yes. So, I, but I, I don't know. I don't know when the voice was decided. Did you play that game? No. Mario teachers typing? No. That game rocks. Okay. At least I thought so when I was four. Right, yeah. <laughs> right, what, uh, what have I got here? What's my next one? Uh, okay, with the PlayStation disc attachment, so moving on from the SNES CD-ROM, with the PlayStation disc attachment getting a sequel for the N64, the most affordable DVD player in the 2000s would have been an old N6, would have been old N64s <laughs> Strapped to Sony's bizarre second de- second gen disc drive attachment, the connection sucks. The N sixty four start aging out. The controllers on like the thumbsticks on the N sixty four are awful to navigate media with, and Blu ray doesn't happen until twenty ten because DVDs take five years longer to to take off. Uh, the HD DVDs exist in there at all, or is it just like we I, I couldn't I couldn't figure out the Blu ray HD DVD yeah. like. Uh, arms war because honestly yeah. 
that happened because DVD did so well, right? Because DVD was yeah, everywhere. Sort of. Yeah, and then like suddenly we had a whole lot more like high definition like capacity on disc, and then mm. like I don't, I'm not sure if you're aware, but the reason Blu-ray won over um, HD DVD is because of the porn industry. Ah, that's right. Forever they the adopt- uh, the pioneers of, of technology. They, they adopted Blu-ray, therefore they won out. Um, uh, similarly to what you were talking about there, um, the first DualShock that released released would still have no joysticks. However, due to the partnership with Nintendo, uh, when the DualShock 2 is released, it has three. <laughs> and, a, and, a middle, and, a, and a middle handle. <laughs> it's like, oh no. Because everyone loves that N64 controller. Everyone loves that, everyone loves that fucking wave bird. Oh, wow. Um, That's fascinating. What's the third stick for? Uh, <laughs> DVD menus. <laughs> It's just a media stick. It's the media stick in the middle. <laughs> oh, it's so good. All right, uh, what about here? Uh, in 2004, PlayStation calls off the partnership and Sony works to make a new standalone console that isn't called PlayStation because that name is now Nintendo property. The Wii is called the PlayStation Next. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> it's bad, right? Like all that of the ones I've written so here is like of the worst, the worst <laughs> yeah. things that could have happened. Uh, I've got one here. Naughty Dog would have been renamed to Good Dog to keep Nintendo's family-friendly <laughs> image intact. <laughs> <laughs> Good um, Dog. And going off that, because of Nintendo's focus on, you know, everybody can play these games, Grand Theft Auto launches as an Xbox exclusive. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I like that. Either Xbox or, or Sega exclusive. I'm not sure where it lines up. Yeah, maybe um, Sega doesn't die in this timeline. Like, say, Sega doubles down on being edgy and then they get Grand Theft Auto. Yeah, that would be... And then they'd be, they'd be current for a while. That would be fascinating. Yeah, they, they, they would have survived a lot longer in the console market. Something I I think that's funny with that one as well is um, oh, I think I'm losing my train of thought here. Uh, yep, it's gone. Oh well. Oh. <laughs> um, next one I got on my list here is oh no no that's what it was. I I, did, I didn't have it written down, but I like the idea that instead of uh, Xbox buying Rare, that when PlayStation split from Nintendo after a relatively fruitful relationship, they take Rare with them. That, yeah, they poach Rare. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. So instead of Rare going to Xbox, Rare comes to PlayStation. Maybe yeah. they make, I don't know, Golden Abyss instead of Bend. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've also got written here, uh, Snowboard Kids is a PlayStation attachment <laughs> exclusive and sells the attachment like hotcakes. <laughs> when Sony breaks the deal, they take, they take Snowboard Kids with them. <laughs> Jesus. Maybe Rare uh, makes the next Snowboard Kids. <laughs> And based off that, I've got the iToy would have been made primarily for Mario Party games, furthering oh. us from God's light. From what? <laughs> furthering us away from God's light. <laughs> <laughs> I thought about the iToy. I didn't know how to integrate that. That makes sense. Yeah. I hate it, but it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, when Super Smash Brothers comes out, the original roster includes Cloud and Snake. But I have... That, but also includes Sora when the PS2 comes out. Oh, fascinating. 
what I've got written here is, but they're never seen in the Smash Brothers games again after Sony break away from Nintendo in 2004. Even in, even not in Ultimate. No, they're never Ooh. they're never seen from again. Imagine it's not just like a deal that get... never ended up happening and this is a bad will there. It's like a deal that did happen. It was bad for everybody. <laughs> and they're all burned. Yeah, and they never want to go anywhere near that era ever again. Imagine if Ultimate was missing like one character. Like imagine if some break or like imagine if it was like a bankruptcy thing. One of the companies went bust and then the character's ownership went into limbo. Yeah. To the point where no one could come could confidently use it. Yeah. So let's say what what company should we say? Well, let's like say what group of characters like 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 honestly, I reckon like the closest probably would have been like Banjo with Rare if they weren't picked up by Microsoft. Like imagine if like Banjo if Rare wasn't picked up by Microsoft and they went bankrupt because they weren't doing so great for a while. Um, or they got shuttered. Hmm. Um, and then yeah, like someone like would have Banjo bought- was in all of the other ones and then not in all yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be fascinating. Uh the PlayStation 2 would have had a handle. And it was <laughs> was like was, one was one of mine. Um you know, because in, in my timeline, the GameCube doesn't exist and the PS2 doesn't exist. It's an amalgamation of both of them. 100%. Yeah. Uh, this is my last one. Mm-hmm. When PlayStation comes out with the first Wipeout game in 2006 after they split, yeah. mm-hmm. Nintendo releases a competing F-Zero title. Ooh, okay. It sells uh- on par with Mario Kart and we receive three more F-Zero titles between then and now. And we all buy them, even although none of us can play them well because they go too fast. <laughs> I was thinking more you were going to say, like, it was going to be Mario Kart 2049 or something. Oh, future <laughs> Mario, F-Zero Mario. That's so cool. <laughs> They're all wearing goggles. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've only got a, a couple left. Um, we have the DK Bongos worked alongside Guitar Hero when that ended up launching on the PS2. Oh. Well, like um, they were like an attachment. You could have, <laughs> yeah. You could play the bongos along to um, in the air tonight. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh. We have the Game Boy player on the GameCube was on the Nintendo PlayStation Two, and it also played UMD discs from the PlayStation Portable. <laughs> Whoa! Because that was the same the same era. So they've they've partnered for the home console market, but Nintendo and Sony are doing separate things for the handheld separate handhelds. Market. Yeah, so it comes together into the one console stream. Yes, fascinating. Yes. Uh, I think it sounds clunky and awful. Oh yeah, <laughs> this one's dumb. Super Turismo Brothers launches in 1997. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and finally, which I think is one that if this actually happened, this could have been a thing. Square Enix would have made games for Nintendo for at least 15 years at that point before Nintendo and PlayStation decided to just acquire them in 2006. Interesting. Because yeah. at that point, they wouldn't have went from being a Nintendo developer to a PlayStation developer. They would have went all the way through. They would have been close enough that entire time. Nintendo would like, look, we're going to buy you. We don't want you working on anyone else. Don't want you going over to that Sega over there. That, that Microsoft fellow's trying to do something over there. We don't want you ha- hanging out with them. That'd be fascinating. That would have Nintendo owning JRPGs alongside Xenoblade. They'd have Final Fantasy as well. And it's like, when are we going to get the next Nintendo JRPG? That'd be fascinating. And that also would have meant um, Tomb Raider as well. Very Whoa. close to PlayStation. Marvel's Avengers. 
all right. Um, <laughs> uh, and and Hitman as well. Hitman, yeah. Um, yep. Maybe it wouldn't have meant Hitman. Maybe Hitman never happens. Maybe Hit Mario. Oh. Oh. But it's Bob Hoskins. <laughs> and he's bald still with a barcode. <laughs> anyway, he needs to buy his Mario. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Um, <laughs> and I've got really like, weird cursed timelines. This, this is actually my final one, um, which I forgot to mention. The only thing that is exactly the same, nothing changes, is that Resident Evil 4 comes out and does extraordinarily well in the exact same way that it did on the GameCube and the PlayStation. Yep, fair enough. And I mean, you know, that's Capcom, so that makes sense. It's the only constant. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I'm glad we don't live in that timeline. Me too. I, like, I, couldn't, I couldn't put this together in a way that like worked better. Yeah. Like, I could only see these going very badly. Yeah. Yeah. But, but also makes if, me... if Nintendo integrated PlayStation fully and then they weren't called Nintendos anymore or they were called just Nintendo Playstations? Well, like, I feel like at that point then Sega honestly probably could have survived in the console market. 100%. <laughs> Maybe. So long as know. they had what, some of the PlayStation games go to them. Yeah. If they had Metal Gear go to them or something like that. Yeah, yeah, totally right. Um, yeah, it makes you wonder how Konami would have made their games back then. Were they making still only primarily PlayStation plus Nintendo games at that point, or were they or were they shopping themselves around a bit more? Mm. Um, and then yeah, like w- what happens to Xbox after that? Yeah, when they so. when they arrive in two thousand. Mm. Yeah, it's weird. I like these hypotheticals, especially because it's born from this monstrosity of a deal that never happened. <laughs> Right? Like this weird, like, you, you say it as a joke on Twitter, like Nintendo PlayStation. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm just glad I got to remember about Snowboard Kids. I also saw a couple of games because I was just going through, like, best N64 games. And I saw a couple of games that I like, rented or, like, friends brought over that mm-hmm. I remember, the like, the visuals and the gameplay of, but not the game. I, yeah. I remember there's this thing called Goemon's Great Adventure. Mm-hmm. Developed by Konami. I never really did much with it. This is the sequel to Mystical Ninja starring Goemon. Right. And like, I just remember not much about it, but just playing it one night and really liking it. I think I might look up some like videos of it and see if I see if it holds up at all. Um, right, okay. But then also Jet Force Gemini, which I've heard um, Blessing talk about so much on Kind of Funny. And I look at it, I'm like, that game! I played that game for like two weeks once and I loved it and I had no idea what it was called. <laughs> and that's another one I'm like, maybe maybe that comes to NSO? Question right. That's developed funny. by Rare. A shooter. All right. Bugs. <laughs> Bugs. Space. Did you see they patched uh, Ocarina of Time again? I don't care at this they point. They fixed the fog. <laughs> oh, good. It's been four months since that 25-year-old game came out. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it hasn't been four months. It's been 25 years. Yeah, I know, I know. Uh, uh, that's it, everybody. We did it. Uh, I'm excited to finish the podcast, get some food, and play some more Elden Ring. What are you going to do, Jeremy? <laughs> Maybe I do the same. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, it's um, 
it's going to be really interesting to see what what the uh, the reception for this where it settles, where the where public perception settles on this game in a few weeks. Um, it's just so big. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We'll be talking about it for the next few weeks, so come along for the ride with us. Uh, but that'll do it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for getting to the end of it with us. Thanks for enduring that cursed timeline with us. Um, if you want to find this episode uh, or you want to know when it goes out, along with all our other episodes, you can follow the Minimap Twitter account. Uh, that's any that's at MinimapAU. Uh, you know, we post every time a new episode goes up. Uh, we're also there individually. I'm there at KJ Palmer underscore 24. Uh, Jeremy? Uh, at Obi1Jez. Well, I've been tweeting about Elden Ring a lot this week. Um, so is all of Twitter. Uh, you can also support us financially on uh, patreon.com slash minimapau if you choose to do so. Uh, but aside from that, that's about it for this week. We'll see you next week. We get to hear about GT7. Jeremy, maybe we should do that. Can you do that remote play co-op thing, share the controller thing on PS5? You know when you could do that where you could like send the stream of oh. your console? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. Because like I want to do like one split screen lap of that game and then like not touch it. <laughs> I don't want to buy it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not cheap. No, it's not cheap. And it's also Gran Turismo. Uh, so we'll see what Jeremy thinks about that. We'll also see where we're up to in Elden Ring next week. Hope you join us. We'll see you then. Thanks so much. Bye.